You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. Hey, JJ Leahy here for No Huddle Radio. Just giving you a quick update before we start the episode, which was recorded uh, Wednesday evening. We got some late breaking news that the Packers are bringing in at least three players, uh, free agents on Monday for workouts. So that would be quarterback turned tight end Tommy Stevens cornerback Richard Robinson, a former fourth-round draft pick by the 49ers who played for the Cowboys last year in three starts. He does have 15 career pass breakups and two interceptions. And also nose tackle Sterling Johnson, uh, who is a former Coastal Carolina undrafted free agent, I believe in 2020. He transferred to Coastal Carolina after a couple of years at Clemson. What do these moves say about the guys on the roster? Well, uh, there are a couple positions that you could expect to maybe see some cuts since they're bringing in these players. We get into tight end quite a bit in today's episode, and bringing in Tommy Stevens is maybe a sign for some of those depth guys, maybe Isaac Nada or Bronson Kafusi, that they are not long for the roster. The Packers are currently at 90 players on the roster, so any new signings would have to come with corresponding cuts. So keep your eye on that. The workouts on Monday will come before our next episode of No Huddle. Hopefully, by uh, the time we record next Thursday, we'll have information for you about uh, players that may have made the roster or gotten cut. We'll see. Either way, it's nice to finally get some news uh, around the Green Bay Packers because it's been a while. Thank you so much for listening and hope you enjoy this episode. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil's a writer for the SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese and brand new podcast, Football for Idiots. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Guiding you through the offseason from OTAs to training camp, we've got you covered. If you have a question you'd like us to answer for you on the show, hit us up on Twitter at JJ Leahy or at Gil Packers, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. First off, a big thank you to everybody who participated in our No Huddle Radio listener survey. Uh, I think we're going to leave that running for another week here. Um, we do, I think we do possibly have some changes incoming to the show uh, based on your feedback. So if you have not yet uh, responded in that survey and given us your opinion, just know that uh, some changes could be coming based off of the opinion of other people who listen to the show uh, without you weighing in. So if you care at all about that, please go ahead and check that out. We're going to put the link to the survey in our show notes again. So you can go to PackersTalk.com, click on podcasts, click on No Huddle Radio, and in the most recent episode or two, you can find a link to the survey right there. Uh, all right. So what we're going to do today is, so training camp is uh, just about a week away. Uh, thank you very much to Mr. Gil Martin for agreeing to record today's episode on Wednesday to work around my schedule. So uh, you guys are going to be hearing this Friday morning, hopefully. By the time you listen to this, it's going to be like five days until training camp starts. 
So we are going to give a bit of a preview of what we're expecting from training camp in terms of we have some questions about the Packers that we would like to see answered through training camp. For example, is Aaron Rodgers going to show up to training camp? <laughs> Nobody's asking that. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody, you know, except, you know, everybody in the media bringing it up randomly, like during the Milwaukee Bucks uh, championship <laughs> game and all this. Uh, congratulations to the Bucks, by the way. That was uh, very exciting for them. Yeah, yeah. You know, just to tell you how long it's been since the Bucks won a championship, the last time they won, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was still known as Lou Alcindor. Well, and and you were only like 40 at that time, too. (laughs) (laughs) Almost. (laughs) All right. So looking at the uh, roster, we did that all last week and we kind of locked in like who we think the uh, starters are going to be when the when the 53 man roster comes out. But there's going to be some cut downs. And for the last couple of years, the cut down rules have been a little bit different to where you only had to make one big cut down from 90 man roster down to 53 man roster. And that came after the last preseason game, pretty much, I think. Isn't that correct? Yes. Okay. So, so we are doing a bit of a rollback to like a hybrid of like what the old rules were kind of, and we can, we're doing these step downs now to where uh, all throughout uh, the preseason, every, like, I think it's every week we're going to, get like five or 10 players are going to get cut each time. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, uh, but that's about how it's going to work. So we're going to get closer and closer to a picture of what the roster is going to look like every week after each preseason game. I think it's like the very next day after each preseason game. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Gil, but I think that's when the cutdowns come. I think that's right as well. Although I would have to double check and, you know, uh, it, it's certainly different. And then you also now for the first time with the 17 game schedule, you have a week off in between the last preseason game and the first regular season game, which is like an extra. It's not quite a buy, but it's kind of like a buy. Yeah. So if, uh, you know, July and August and training camp and preseason, if all that already wasn't painful enough now, after all that, not quite football stuff happens you're going to get a week off with literally no football. <laughs> but a lot of probably some cuts, some tra- uh, some trades possibly, and a heck of a lot of anticipation. All right. So let's talk about some of the big questions that we have. We already talked about Rodgers. I think that's been done to death. Uh, Joe or uh, Gil, what's what's your what's your first big question? Wow. Uh, my first big question to to me, let's start with this. Uh, how ready is Jordan Love? Let's let's start with that, because we have not seen him take a snap in an NFL game of any kind. And training camp and preseason will be the first time we really get to see him uh, in game like conditions. Sir, you are too picky. I, I am well satisfied with a blurry shaky camera across the whole field of like a half of a snap because <laughs> that's all we've gotten for two years now i know man. boy are you easy to please oh, <laughs> no I'm, I'm i'm joking obviously man I'm dying to see him this might be the most anticipated uh draft pick 
uh, in Packers history to see in a preseason game because you didn't even get him last year. You had to wait a whole extra year to see, like, is he terrible or not? We don't know. Well, look, I I think it's safe to say there will be some growing pains. Yes. I mean, and some adjustments. So I I, I think that's anyone who's expecting him to step onto the field for the first time and be the next Aaron Rodgers right out of the gate. Even Aaron Rodgers wasn't the next Aaron Rodgers right out of the gate. So he's going to need some time. He's going to make his share of, of youthful mistakes. I can't say rookie mistakes anymore, but. But where is he at? How far away is he from being ready to go if Rodgers doesn't show up? Uh, to me, the important thing is he has to show enough potential to justify the pick. It, he doesn't have to be ready now, uh, hopefully, but he does have to at least show that he is capable of becoming that player when he gets onto the field. Yeah, I think uh, maybe a comparison I like to kind of make in my head about Jordan Love here is that it's like the the uh, difference between like a true freshman and a redshirt freshman. Yeah. So uh, I, I I think I think you know he's basically a, a rookie, but he's had uh, a a whole year of up close and personal study of Aaron Rodgers. I because because I think that there's not a lot else that you could say that he really got out of last out of last year. Like he was not any kind of focal point in any of the practices or anything. Because look, they were trying to win a Super Bowl and navigate a pandemic, global pandemic. Um, their rookie quarterback, like yeah, we it'd be nice if we could uh, get some time in with him, but that's just not our priority, and and that was very clear from the beginning. I think he knows the playbook a little bit better than your typical rookie would after one year of trying to memorize it. But yeah, uh, on the field, he has nothing on any rookie because he hasn't been on the field yet. All right. Here's my first burning question. Joe Barry, uh, are we going to get any sense through training camp of like what his defense looks like? Because. Honestly, we don't we really don't know what kind of defense he's going to run. Like we have there's like bits and pieces that we can piece together and say, well, you know, he was behind uh he worked for Brandon Staley, so there's going to be maybe some similarities to Brandon Staley. We can look at what he did like 10 years ago um for the Lions and then a little bit later for the uh Washington team. We don't know what kind of defense he's going to run. Um you know, we, we've gotten more information from him and his press conferences than anything. And I think, you know, we keep hearing that it's going to be similar to what Petten did and that a lot of the terminology is going to be similar and the position coaches all sound like, yeah, it's not going to be that big of a, of a change. But like, I want to see it, too. I want to see what they're, you know, what are what are his tendencies I'd like to figure out how to describe it too. Like you know, <laughs> for a while, you know, everybody was calling um, Matt LaFleur's offense. They were just saying, well, he's running the Shanahan scheme. Well, yeah, but like there is an actual term for it. It's outside zone offense. I, I right. kind of would like to know what do we call Joe Barry's defense? And as of right now, nobody can give me an answer on that. No. And you know, the, the frustrating thing about it is during preseason Defenses tend to stay very vanilla. 
you're, you're not going to see a lot of exotic blitz packages and uh, a lot of deception. You're just trying to get down the basics of your scheme. You don't want to give away too much on film to opposing coaches. So I don't know if training camp will answer that fully. And, you know, to me, how the defense is playing in November and December is going to be more important than how they're playing in September and October. Very true. I, I think I think here's something that we could uh, definitively say uh, is one of our hopes of Joe Barry is, you know, we like the um, the concepts of Mike Penn's defense, but we would like to see Joe Barry be a more evolved play caller than Mike Patton was more evolved situational play caller. Yeah, that would certainly be a a good thing. And and one of the other things that I'm hearing is to expect fewer blitzes from Joe Barry than what we got from Mike Patton. So again, we have to see how that manifests itself in game situations. And again, preseason, well, we may not be able to tell the difference because most defenses don't blitz very often during preseason anyway look i'm fine with fewer blitzes but can we also have fewer three-man rushes uh i would love that <laughs> <laughs> and and fewer instances of watching kenny clark drop into coverage too that that would be uh my my request um another question that we brought up uh when you and i were preparing this uh you mentioned that you're excited to see um the usage of the star in on defense and who's going to be the star. And I think that we have kind of a soft answer right now that like the coaches like Shannon Sullivan for that role. Yep. But also that they are going to kind of rotate a bit. And I, I, I kind of want to see like, okay, who's going to be the primary guys who are rotating through there. And when you have a different guy playing that, that, uh, that role, does it change what kinds of plays that they're running on, on defense? Yeah, it, it, it is going to set up different situations. And I think, I think they're going to use the star and switch them around a little bit just to keep defenses off balance and let them think you're in one coverage and you're really in another coverage. So I think this is all part of Joe Barry's scheme and how he's going to integrate you know, his plans into the defense and overall uh, it'll be very interesting to see how that shakes out in preseason. And then once the real season gets underway in September. And we do know that they are kind of moving some guys around on defense. We know that uh, it, at, at OTAs and minicamp, we were seeing Adrian Amos um, line up in the, you know, in the box and that that looked like it might be a, a bigger featured uh, role for him than in the past. Yeah. And let's see if, you know, how well he handles that situation. I know we know that in the last six games or so of the regular season last year, the safeties did things a little bit differently and it really benefited the team in that the secondary in general and the safety play in particular really improved down the stretch last year. And that was a big catalyst for the team's six game win streak to close out the season. All right, let's switch over to offense for a minute here. Big question I have is Jay Sternberger. You know, he's suspended to start the year for two games and he's struggled to get on the field a lot in his first two years, largely due to injury. 
Um, and, and when he was back on the team, his usage was kind of limited and he didn't impress very much, at least to us, the fans. Right. So my big question is like, do you think that it's at all possible that we see indications during training camp and the preseason that maybe the Packers are considering cutting him? Like, do you think that like, Rate the the possibility, uh, you know, like a percentage, like are we talking like a, you know, one percent chance or like a 20 percent chance that we're going to see some signs that maybe they're they're considering cutting him, especially you got some other uh, tight end depth that I think they would like to retain without spending too many roster spots on tight end. Yeah, I would say it's about a 20 percent chance. Uh, I think that number is about right as far as, uh, you know, whether Sternberger is going to be cut. But it would it would have to be. Look, he is totally able to play in the preseason. He has no restrictions in training camp. Uh, to me, he would really have to not be taking any kind of step forward and showing any progress for them to really consider cutting him or someone else. Uh, who is theoretically behind him on the depth chart is going to have to step up and really show that they've taken a step past him on the depth chart. Yeah, there's a lot of ripple effect here in the tight end room. So, you know, Robert Tunney, I think we know what to expect from him. More of the same as what we got last year. Mercedes Lewis, you're hoping that he doesn't start showing his age yet this year, that he stays at about the same level he's been the last couple of years. Josiah DeGuar, we know with certainty that he is a big part of their plans in the future, their long-term plans. But how how much does he factor into their short-term plans? Because, like, he's rehabbing from a, what was it, ACL tear, right? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that rehab still is not where you want it to be. And so you got some other guys in the tight end room that I think are affected by the question marks surrounding DeGuara's availability and the question marks surrounding Sternberger's future with the team. And then there's another tight end in that room who I'll talk about afterwards, who I don't think is necessarily affected by either one of those, but is still interesting. So Dominique Daphne is like, he's like DeGuara. That's the same, he's the same kind of tight end. So you would certainly expect if, if if DeGuara isn't ready to go week one, you probably put him on IR and you roll with Dominique Daphne, right? Or maybe if there's a chance that you can't uh you can't justify giving Sternberger another shot. You know, Sternberger is that same type of tight end that Tunyon is. Well right. but this maybe gives you the opportunity to keep Daphne and DeGuara on the roster and feature Daphne a lot more earlier in the season and work DeGuara in over time as he continues to heal. And then the you know, the other two depth tight ends in that room, we've talked about them quite a few weeks here now, but it's, it's still super interesting to me. So Isaac Nada, I think, is probably that next man up to maybe Phil Sternberger's role. He's a similar type of tight end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if if Isaac Nauta really impresses here in training camp, I think that that hurts Sternberger's chances of making the team. What do you think? It 
again, to me, a tie is going to go to the third round, the former third round draft pick. But yeah, it puts pressure on Sternberger. No question about that. And Sternberger has to show something. That's the thing. Uh, You know, this is his third training camp. He ended up with injuries. He had COVID last year. He hasn't had the easiest time. Now he starts the season suspended. This training camp and this preseason is really a crossroads in his career. And either he's going to find himself a forgotten man and maybe even out of Green Bay, or he's going to carve out a nice little niche for himself in this offense. And we're going to find out in the next two months which what the answer is going to be. And Bronson Kafusi is the other uh, tight end in the room who maybe has a shot at making the roster here because Kafusi is a former D lineman who converted to tight end and and he's kind of old. He's like 28 or 29. And so you're like, I'm not really sure that I have high expectations from him. But consider this, like who else would fill the Mercedes Lewis role if something happened to Mercedes? Like Bronson might be on the practice squad or, you know, maybe things work out to where they really feel like they can afford another tight end roster spot and they go ahead and and roster Bronson. And Mercedes is like all of a sudden showing his age, which would just not be shocking at all because he's an old guy. And or maybe he gets hurt kind of early. I just, you know, he's that why tight end role on the defense or on the offense. And I'm not sure that you got anybody else that you really feel comfortable right now uh, taking those snaps in Mercedes absence. And so maybe that's an opportunity for Bronson because he's just such a different physical uh, like he's such a different body type. He's massive. He's tall. He's very long armed, uh, very heavy guy, similar to Mercedes. And I just don't know that like, yeah, Tunyon is a really good blocker. And the reason they drafted Deguara is for his blocking, but they're just a totally different uh, physical build and skill set from Mercedes. And so to me, that gives like that, I think that's the reason Bronson is even on the roster right now is because like who fills the Mercedes role if you don't have Mercedes anymore for some reason? Yeah, it's a good question. And look, uh, like you said, the body type, Lewis is 6'6", 267. Kafusi is 6'6", 270. Uh, <laughs> the same guy. It's the same body type, at least height and weight wise. Uh, and and he's 30 years old, three years in the league, converted over from the defensive line. Uh, it would be interesting. You know, the other alternative, if you don't have, uh, you know, if you don't feel Kafusi has uh, made the transition well enough, maybe you end up putting, you know, uh, a, an offensive tackle. Oh, my gosh. Do we finally see do we finally see a role in the offense for Yash Nijman? Well, yeah, maybe he maybe he's the guy who steps in uh, with his, you know, athletic ability and becomes, you know, he'd have to report on every play uh, as an eligible receiver. But, yeah, maybe maybe that's where he fits in. I have I have no idea uh, what his receiving talent is. Maybe this is a research project for us. <laughs> All right. We, we I don't, s- go ahead. I don't think we'll see him on the hands team anytime soon. Let's put it that way. <laughs> All right. Well, we 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 spent a, quite a bit of time answering my Jace question, or or I I should say maybe trying to formulate my Jace question. 
hopefully we'll get an answer to that uh, here in the next couple months. But uh, you want to go ahead and take another uh, question? Well, yeah, sure. Uh, who's going to be wide receiver two? That's uh, one of my questions. And I, I feel like I would be shocked if it's not one of the following three guys. All right. MVS, Lazard, and then like dark horse candidate Devin Funches. Although I still have a lot of questions about uh, and, and maybe this would be one of my questions that I want to ask here about the training camp is how how good is Devin Funches today? Like we know we know what he was a couple of years ago, but he's been out of the league for a couple of years. So um, what can he be in 2021? I think is still a lingering question for me. Uh, I think that's a legitimate question, and I think we're going to find out. He he is sort of the wild card out of all of these uh, experienced receivers that we have on this roster. And, you know, he's played exactly one NFL game in the last two years, and then he broke his collarbone. You know, rehabs from that sits out last year because of COVID and family health concerns. And, and you know, now what what is he going to show, uh, you know, the coaches had some nice things to say about him after OTAs, but what are they going to say? He's a bum. We don't want him. I mean, you know, so uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see what he shows in training camp and in the preseason and where he fits in. You know, he could be anywhere from receiver two, as you mentioned, a dark horse candidate to uh, looking for another job with another team at, at the end of training camp. So it's yeah. it's a big there's a big gap depending on how he performs. I think Lazard is probably the favorite to be the second receiver, but uh, MVS is going to be right there as well. I think you're right about that. Well, MVS was benefited majorly by Lazard's absence last year, and he really took some big strides, you know, in, in as a wide receiver and, and being a dependable target for Rodgers last year. I think, you know, something else in this whole equation is like, who is the quarterback? Yeah, in the regular season, but who's also the quarterback during anything going on in training camp, going on in the, the preseason? Because, you know, we have all this like preconceived knowledge about who Rodgers has really good rapport with. Well, if a different quarterback is the one throwing the ball, that that does change things to an extent. I mean, you're not going to see somebody surpass Devontae, but no, but I mean, it it wouldn't be weird at all to to see uh Jordan Love have a really strong connection with Amari Rogers that Aaron Rodgers wouldn't necessarily be exploring. No, that's true. And and also, you know, depending on who gets a lot of reps with the first team and in training camp, we saw a lot at OTAs where I think Amari Rogers had a pretty good connection with Jordan Love. Lots of unanswered questions beyond wide receiver one in training camp this year. Um, I, th- I think I think my pick would probably also be Lazard for wide receiver two. But like Devin Funchess is kind of the same player as Lazard. He's like an older Got an older version of Lazard who's been around longer and also has not played recently. And, mm-hmm. and I think that like that's a great way to describe Funchess. And so having him and Lazard on the same team, like on the one hand, you could say that it's a, a benefit that you have two versions of the same guy, or maybe it's redundant. 
Yeah, maybe. And it depends how other uh, receivers are doing, where you slot them and who's healthy. There's a lot of variables out there. Um, You know, the one thing I think that Lazard has over Funches is blocking ability. Not that Funches is a bad blocker, but Lazard is probably the best blocker among Packer wide receivers. And that does count for something as far as Matt LaFleur is concerned. Oh, absolutely. He's Lazard is one of the better wide receiver blockers in the league. I believe I looked up last year. I was curious, like who's the, the very best blocking wide receiver in the whole league. And then like, I saw the answer and I, I kind of thought that maybe I had sorted by the wrong stat because I was like, well, I would expect to see, Julio Jones, because that's who it was. I'd expect to see him at the top of like every other stat, but not necessarily as a blocking wide receiver. And that's what he was best at. Or, or I mean, I mean, I mean, that's that is uh, who was the best at it was Julio. Right. But I, yeah. I thought that was it was funny. Yeah, no, no question. So, uh, it, yeah, I mean, that is a definite plus for him. And we'll see what Funches ends up doing in training camp and in preseason because uh, he's not a lock to make this roster. And yet he could go as high as second on the depth chart by the time camp is over. Yeah. Very accurate. Very accurate. Um, Offensive line. I really want to see who's our starting five. And this is one I'm not sure we have an answer for in training camp because I think If Bakhtiari is ready to start week one, I don't think you're going to be seeing him still in training camp. I think you want to give him every um, resting minute possible between his injury and the and the first time he plays in a game. And I, I just don't think that he needs the practice like, yeah, he might be a little bit rusty out the gate and you're fine with that. Like, just give him that extra recuperation time. Yeah, I would. I think they'll be cautious with him. Look, you know what? If he comes back and he's eighty percent, eighty percent of David Bakhtiari is better than you know most of the offensive tackles in this league who are starting. So uh, they are better off letting him miss some games if if he has to in September uh, rather than oh it's December or January and we don't have this guy on our line. We saw how much it hurt him in the playoffs against Tampa Bay not having him. If they, uh, you know, are back in the playoffs again. They want to make sure David Bakhtiari is healthy. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think uh, most people would say that probably the number one reason that we lost the NFC Championship game was because we didn't have Bakhtiari. It made a big difference. Let's put it that way. Uh, on the other side, uh, you, you got the D line. So offensive line, you got a lot of talent. You got, uh, it's it's the deep, the single deepest position on the roster, it's yeah, 16 offensive linemen right now. And um, opposite them on the D-line, it's one of the thinner positions uh, on the whole roster. You need, I would say, at least five D-linemen to put a roster together. We have seven. And two of those guys are rookies. One of them is an undrafted uh, rookie. So I, I just... If it hadn't been for like the fact that I've been following the team closely and been expecting them to make a an addition at D-line for so long, I would be predicting that, oh, yeah, they definitely will make an addition. 
I, I just can't predict that anymore because I keep asking them to do it and, and thinking they will do it and it never happens. Maybe that maybe they really just roll into the season with just the guys they have. It would it would not be the most surprising thing in the world, but it's not what I would recommend. I, I still think they should go pick somebody up. Well, OK, so my question to you is then what role does this pickup have? Do you want a guy like Snacks Harrison, who is primarily a run stuffer, but isn't going to give you much juice in the pass rush? Is that the missing ingredient in your mind right now? I, th- I think that is maybe one of them or like that may be the bigger one. And like, ideally, we want TJ Slayton to become that, but I'm just not sure he's ready for it. Right. And then like, so last year, uh, Billy Price, they picked up and he was a phenomenal um, addition. Was, it, was that his name Billy Price? Yeah. Yeah. Price. Uh, he was a, f- a phenomenal addition to the D-line, played quite well. And I think that he really made the D line a lot better. And he was, he was kind of a different style of D lineman. I mean, he was kind of more of like a Tyler Lancaster than anything. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. That would be a good comparison. And I, I just don't know that, like Tyler Lancaster, you know, he was an undrafted guy that we picked up a couple of years ago uh, in free agency. And like, he's been good for like where you found him, <laughs> but I just I don't want to be depending on him as much as we as we are. And like so Dean Lowry is going to continue to be a focal point of this defensive line, like it or not. Like the coaches are really big on him and uh, the front office restructures contract. So he's not getting cut or at least it would be very surprising if he is cut. Right. But I, I just, you know, last year I was positive they were going to add somebody at D line. And they didn't, and they rolled into the season with only Kenny Clark, Kingsley Kiki, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, and Willington Prevalon, which I think was the entirety of all the guys that they had on the roster during training camp. Like, I don't think that they made any additions. I don't, I don't think that they cut any D linemen when they were putting their 53 together, is my recollection. Right. I, I think that's right. Yeah. And then shocker that ended up not being enough. And they spend like a lot of the season looking for D line um, additions. They brought in Anthony rush. They brought in Billy price. They brought in a couple other guys as well, who also didn't really play or didn't play well. And so I've forgotten them, but I know there's at least one other guy they brought in and I just can't help but feel like they're going to, Oh, and they brought in snacks at the end of the year. Right. Like, they they it was a it was like almost crisis mode all year long, especially when like Kenny Clark got hurt in game two. Was that it? Uh, Game one, he got hurt against Minnesota. And it was like an instant like smack in the face to the front office who and the coaches who seemed confident that they had enough guys to put the roster together. And it's like, oh, boom, week one, you lose your best D lineman. What are you going to do now? Week two rolls around and you're or uh, week three rolls around. Sorry. And you're facing the Saints and Alvin Kamara, one of the best running backs in the league. And it was a nightmare all night long. And thankfully, like they managed to pull a win out. But we were so frustrated watching that game. Alvin Kamara had a phenomenal night. And it was just so weird that like we had just come off 
the back of that NFC championship loss to the 49ers and Raheem Mostert. You just would have thought that D-line would be a big priority for him. And it like it was to call it an afterthought is like an insult to afterthoughts, I think. (laughs) Well, but look, that was the philosophy of Mike Pettin. You don't emphasize the run. You emphasize stopping the pass. And look, to his credit, Brian Gutekunst was bringing in guys like Brian Price, who is now with the Lions, bringing in Snacks Harrison, bringing in Rush. There was sort of a, a... a constant effort, yes, probably out of desperation, to improve the, you know, the run-stuffing ability of the line without really spending any money. So now you draft Slayton, and you hope that down the road he can help you out in that area. I would not be at all surprised, though, if we see a similar situation this year where, you know— the the last four or five roster spots are constantly being rotated in and they're going to try to find a, a guy who fits and works in to give them a little depth, especially if someone gets hurt early in the season or in training camp. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty apt. So so part, part of your answer to my big uh, tirade there about D line was, yeah, but we have a different defensive coordinator now. Yes. Do you? Yes. So taking that. Are you saying that you think that that means that Joe Barry will say, hey, I need you to get me another D lineman and they will? I don't know enough about what he's going to run yet. Uh, I'm hoping that that may be the case. But, uh, you know, again, it wouldn't surprise me if they're back to looking on the waiver wire once the season gets started or once cuts are made to see who's available and who they might be able to bring in to upgrade the position. That's an area that I think training camp is going to be very important in determining whether or not they have the players they need to try to, again, they're not going to say that stopping the run is priority one. This isn't, you know, 1975 where, you know, you run the ball and you stop the run and then you win football games. You know, that three yards in a cloud of dust thing is outmoded now. But I think that, there will be slightly more of an emphasis on stopping the run. And Joe Barry may ask for some help if he goes through the first half of training camp and says, Hey, I don't, I don't, I'm not impressed with what I see here. Yeah, I I could see that for sure. Well, these are some of the big questions that we have surrounding the Packers uh, roster and their coaches. And we're hoping that we get some answers here during training camp. I'm really excited for it. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. We get preseason games. I know people don't really like the preseason. I do. I really like preseason games because I like seeing the the rookies and the uh, uh, undrafted guys. And we didn't get it last year. So we get to watch two draft classes at once this year. Like you maybe are putting together almost a full starting 11 on the field of just the, uh, you know, year one and year two guys. I mean, you got, you have enough offensive linemen to do it. We've taken six offensive linemen that have been drafted in the last two years. So you could easily put that together. You got, um, especially if you, if you throw Daphne in there and then we, we did uh, draft Deguara last year. There's your tight ends. Uh, we got a bunch of young wide receivers that we barely have seen at all. There is DeAndre Tompkins if he makes it all the way to preseason game one. There's Chris Blair, Bailey Gaither, 
Uh, Juwan Winfrey can't forget Reggie Begleton either, and obviously the new face Amari Rogers. Amari yeah. Rogers. You got your quarterback was drafted in the last two years, Jordan Love, and and we yes, and and we brought in uh, Bortles and Banker. There's a new faces. Dolgal is on the team as well. You got a bunch of new running backs. AJ Dillon, Kylan Hill, both drafted in the last two years. Um, Dexter Williams a year before. Yeah, yeah. Yep, you got yep. a lot of you got a lot of. A lot of guys who you can bring in and and look at just from the last two years. And uh, it's going to be, you know what, this year, because there was no preseason in 2020, I think fans and the coaches are going to look forward to preseason games a little more than they usually do. It may only last one half of one game, but I think at (laughs) least initially, uh, until they see what they've got, but at least initially, uh, I always like preseason games. They they are interesting, more than exciting. They're not exciting, but they are interesting. So who are you excited to see, or or to use your word, interested to see in the preseason games this year? Because uh, we have, um, this is our debate topic for today. We're, we, we, we're going to each pitch a guy that we're excited to see that we think might really flash. Uh, and, and, and I think there's even some undrafted guys that I really think, uh, could really surprise. So this should be somebody that you kind of aren't necessarily expecting. So you can't put Aaron Rodgers on here, Devonte Adams. Uh, I think we should stick to, uh, you know, the real depth guys, the, uh, uh, younger guys here. We're going to each pick a guy that we think might really surprise and impress in the preseason and yeah maybe that gives them a shot at earning a roster spot but before we can do that we got to check in on our results from last week so we see who gets to make their argument first and that would be uh i won the poll last week so you get to pick first so i last last week we said uh we were debating when the packers first loss would come i said 49ers you said steelers 49ers won it was kind of a close one uh, closer than it is sometimes. So, uh, but that means you get to pick first who you want to uh, argue for. Go. Ah, go. No pressure, right? Okay. Uh, um, you know what? I'm going to go with uh, a guy who I think has a, a pretty good shot to to make a splash in training camp, and that's Jawan Winfrey. Ah, uh, were... that's who I was going to take. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> well, well, you just made my argument for me. I don't have to say a word now. <laughs> But that's okay because actually I had two guys that I was debating between. So go okay, ahead. Okay, so so that's fair. I mean, first of all, he got you know uh, the praise at OTAs, which is always uh, a, a plus. He has a little more experience than some of the other uh, rookies because he has been you know in the league and around the league for a couple of years. And you look at his measurables. To me, Winfrey is the kind of guy at. 61210 he's not too big but he's got enough size that the the coaching staff is going to like him and I think he'll bring a, a sort of different element to the receiving core he runs very good routes and that especially if Aaron well regardless of who the quarterback is Rodgers you need to win it over his trust and Jordan Love with less experience is going to need to know where people are going to be in order to to be successful. So I, I, I think Juwan Winfrey to me is the guy, uh, one of many who I'm going to be watching, but, uh, I, I like his potential. I like the experience he has and I like his skill set. All right. So 
I was debating there there were quite a few rookies actually from this year who I considered going with, but then I thought like ah, I think that they actually have like realistic shots to just be starters at some point in the year. So I don't feel like the, those are fair ones to take. So I'm taking a guy who's not a rookie and I think he meets our criteria every other way. And that is KB on Ento. And mm-hmm. we have a, we have a bunch of really uh, quality depth guys here in the cornerback room, but KB on Ento, I think he's got a, a unique skill set here. And don't forget Last year, he actually made the 53 and like he got hurt in the preseason and they actually had to put him on the 53 and then move him to IR so that he would be eligible to return. What that means is that they had other guys that did not make the 53 that um, that they had to just hope would survive waivers so they could still pick him up and put him on the practice squad and KB on Ento. I think he was really prior to his injury last year. I think that he actually had impressed enough in training camp that he really had earned a roster spot. And I think even with all of the uh, new guys that you brought in through the draft, the high drafted guys, I still think KB on Ento probably makes the roster. He's um, he's a very talented guy. And the only knock against him is his size. He's a small guy. And so that maybe makes him a little bit more exposed to injury. But I think that he is uh, probably quite easily a more talented corner than, uh, say, Kadar Holman, Stanford Samuels, uh, probably even than Josh Jackson. Uh, KB Onento, to me, is, is one of the more talented cornerbacks that we have on the roster. And the only you know massive question you have about him is his ability to stay healthy because he's such a small guy. But don't forget, Shamar Jean Charles is actually smaller than KB Onento is. Yeah, he is. Now, the, to me, the question about Ento is he's a converted wide receiver. So, you know, does he have the technique down? Uh, you know, the potential is there. The skill set is there. Does he have, uh, you know, the technique down after this is his third training camp. So it's pretty much now or never, I think for Ento. And it'll be interesting to see how he does in, in camp and, and in preseason. I think preseason games will be important for him. Well, the knock for me for Juwan Winfrey was that he actually, uh, got, got to be active for a game and then like, didn't do anything. They think they think that was against the 49ers was the game that he played last year. And he, right. I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure he had any snaps, but he definitely did not uh, have any targets. No, didn't have any targets. So, but the the other two guys that uh, would be really nice if they could take that step, and um, I, I think they both have the tools in their skill set to be contributors for this team, and it would be uh, be exciting to see them get that shot. Absolutely, and and. Again, one of the many reasons we watch preseason games and pay attention to training camp. Looking forward to it. Absolutely looking forward to it. Well, I want to know if any of our listeners have some dark horses that they are excited about. And uh, so we're going to put a post on Twitter and you can vote in our poll. Uh, Do you think that uh, KB on Ento or Juwan Winfrey is more likely to be the guy? And then also we want you to comment uh, who your pick is for this kind of dark horse sleeper. Uh, young guy edition to really break out. That That's going to be fun for us to read through those responses. So go over to Twitter and uh, you can check out either one of our Twitters and we will both uh, post the uh, conversation right there. So 
That does it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers and to submit questions. You can also email us questions at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Packers Talk.